0: No one ever hated the Whig party. But we're not ready for that yet. Let's first join Jesus and the eleven who love him as he is teaching them the very night that he is betrayed. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Jesus starts and ends with the need for us, okay, well, them, to love one another. This is what we as Christians love to hear. You know, oh, to be surrounded in active, living love. This was the first way, Jesus had told them earlier, that they could be identified as his disciples. A second way, if you've been here. To tell was by observing the fruit they bore. Those who were his would bear fruit that would last eternally. Changes in their lives. Changes in the lives of those they touch, their neighbors. Here he adds a third identifier. His friends will do what he commanded. He also clarifies, once again, how a person comes to God. It's not some great thing in us It is his act in loving us, in choosing us. And he chooses us, he makes sure they understand we will, in fact, bear fruit. (laughs) If he chooses us, there we go. And by the way, there are so many amazing things about this text that we could look at. It's, It's just hard to figure out what to do. For Jesus' statements about himself, I have loved you, I call, I have heard, I have made known, I chose and appointed you, I commanded you so that you will love one another. In fact, twice, you see in that little section, I command. Then there's the calling pair. There's a pair there if you look at it. And of course, the active love mentioned at both the beginning and the end of this pericope. And don't miss the so that pair. Look that up. It's it's very interesting. But you're going to have to study all that on your own. (laughs) We can't look at everything. we we got to focus today. So to achieve this focus, we might ask this question. Why does Jesus go back over all this again? This is pretty much all repetition from what he's already said. And why add the encouragement about being his friends and friends by his choice? Why the careful, repeated instruction about Living love. Because he next has to tell them a very hard truth. The focus of our study today. They will be hated for their love. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, that I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecute me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours. You see, no one ever hated the Whig Party. you remember the Whig Party? Yeah, who's the Whig Party? (laughs) Before the Civil War, They were the political party that wanted to keep America strong. Ever heard that? They were the established party, the conservatives of American politics. They wanted to conserve America. Keep America, America. Keep it in one piece. (laughs) They were supposed to be the good guys. But they had become nothing but a group that wanted to keep things the same. To conserve what was America at all costs. But not everything in America should be kept like slavery. If you haven't read Uncle Tom's Cabin, do <laughs> read it. You can understand the horrors of the racially based slavery that polluted our land. By the way, Uncle Tom was the hero in the story. Most people have no idea that. He's the hero in the story. And, and another, by the way, for a white woman of New York, she wrote the book, to call a man uncle was to give him honor. To give a black man honor. The title, everything in the book, was designed and did, it was designed to shock those in the northern states. Shock them into finally understanding the Innate evil of American slavery and the necessity of its elimination. One more aside that I didn't write. Abraham Lincoln was said, what do you feel about freeing the slaves? And he said, uh, I don't really think it was me. I kind of think it was Mrs. Stowe. The woman who wrote that book. If you haven't read Uncle Tom's Cabin, get a copy. It's absolutely amazing. Ah, but the Whig Party... The Whig party didn't stand against slavery. Truth is they didn't stand against anything. Just let's keep America strong. <laughs> so nobody hated them, but nobody loved them either. So a group, group a group of people came together mostly out of that party to form another, one that had purpose, in fact, a single purpose: finish the job the founding fathers started. Make all men free. Yeah, I know we have the woman part, but that comes later, you know. Let's solve one evil at a time, you know, you gotta focus. But eliminate slavery now. A political party with one central focus, that's never gonna work. But it did. And people loved the Republican Party and flocked to it and people hated the Republican Party and railed against it. There was no lukewarm here. It was absolute love or hate. We're going to ignore the pitiful lack of focus of our major political parties now. (laughs) How to focus on this task at hand. We have to focus on an amazing thing. A thing so focused as to be either earnestly loved or viciously hated. We want to talk today about a very focused people and those who hate them. Part of the reason people hate those who are Christ is that He chose us, but He didn't choose them. It's not fair. Well, maybe. But it's not about what's fair. It's about what is. You know, a tree falls in your house during this one of the huge windstorms we have around here. You look up and down the street has had a tree fall in their house. Watch, it's not fair. Well, it may not be fair, but it's what is. got a tree through your roof, So you call your insurance guy and he says, "Uh, remember how you didn't want to pay that extra 20 bucks a year for this natural catastrophe coverage? Sorry, you're not covered. (laughs) It's not fair. Maybe not, but it's what is. Now, we can probably put ourselves in the disciples' shoes, sandals, Everything is sounding so great. Active life, love for one another. The Holy Spirit is going to be given to them. Jesus will actually be their friend. This all sounds so great. And then, you know, they're probably not really liking this being hated by the world thing. It's not fair. But it's what is. So Jesus goes on, remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name. Because they do not know him who sent me. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Oh, good. We've gone from just being hated to being persecuted. (laughs) Yay! I guess it's the fruit they bear. But there is some good news in this. We have another way of telling we are His. Yep, if they hate us and persecute us, we can be real sure we're His. Isn't it great? (laughs) But why? Why do they hate us instead of love us? Why do they hate Him instead of love Him? Jesus said right there that they don't even know God. So how can they hate Him? The disciples, and we, want to know. What gives? If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now, they have no excuse for their sin. The people of Jesus' time heard Him speak. And He made things very clear. One claim in particular he made clear, he was Emmanuel, God with us. And that part is still true and clear today. You ever heard anybody refer to BCE? BCE, it's, it's a time deal. Something happened in some year BCE. We used to say BC, which we expanded to before Christ, and AD, which meant after Christ. But now it's before the common era, or BCE, and the common era, CE. Same years. didn't change that. Just change the name. Who cares? What difference does it make? Well, it's simple, really. They don't want Jesus to be the Christ, the Son of God. They don't want to recognize him as Emmanuel. They don't want his words to be true, to be absolute. So they stick their heads firmly in the sand and pretend the common era started for no reason whatsoever. (laughs) In Jesus' time, He spoke to them so they have no excuse for their sin. And He says, Whoever hates Me, hates My Father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both Me and My Father. They hate Him, Because they do sin. His works expose their sins. Like, say, his raising from the dead. (laughs) His words expose their sins with some decided clarity. The truth is that his very existence exposes their sin. So they can't claim ignorance anymore. You know how people say... I don't want to become a Christian because I won't be able to do X. I'll have to give up X. You know, drink, drugs, bad language, maybe something that ends in X. (laughs) Okay, here's something that's really fun to do. When they say that to you, you say, really? What makes you think you'd have to give that up? You mean I don't have to give that up? No, yeah, I'm pretty sure you're going to have to give that up. But that's not what I asked. How do you know that you have to give it up? Yeah, the truth is, they already know it's sin, it's wrong. They don't want to get close to Jesus because then their sin will become more obvious. They don't want to get close to us because then their sin will become more obvious. Look back at that scripture for a moment. Whoever hates me, hates my father also, they have seen and hated both me and my Father. Jesus started and ended this little instruction with the truth that those who hate Him hate the Father. It is a package deal. You love Jesus, you love the Father. You hate Jesus, you hate the Father. Why? Well, the works that Jesus did made it real clear He was from heaven, from the Father. Miracles? are those things that cannot happen in the providential care of God, in in the natural. They are impossible unless the supernatural intervenes. When Jesus performed a miracle, it screamed out, God is here! There are people who think it's okay to love God, but reject Jesus as God. You you, you might hear them say things like, Oh, you know, the big man upstairs... (laughs) This is the allure of deism, it's called the watchmaker God. God is far, far away. He made the world like a man makes a watch, then he wound it up and left it to run on its own. God is far away. So what's the allure of deism? Maybe he doesn't notice all the sins we do. (laughs) Well, Actually, he can't. He's far away. No, he can't notice all the sins we do or call us to account. For them. But a God that is with us, whose words can be heard, whose works could be seen, there is nowhere to hide. That's why they say BCE. (laughs) That's why so many people don't want to accept that Jesus performed miracles. One more little side note I love these, I hope you do. (laughs) When people try to tell me why there can't be miracles, I try to jump in before they say something really stupid. The only reason people believed in miracles back then is because they didn't know that they were impossible. They were just uneducated people. Okay, that's that's just brain-dead stupid. Think for just a second. If they didn't know it was impossible, why'd they get so excited? If people don't know curing blindness by smearing mud on a guy's eyes was impossible, why did everyone talk about it? If they don't know coming out of the grave was impossible... Why did they give their lives rather than say it wasn't true? Miracles cry out, there is a God who is near us. In fact, they scream out, there is a God who is with us. And Nobody can hide from their sins anymore. So no, you can't love God and not love Jesus. His words and His works make it clear that you cannot. He is God with us. But what about our words and our works? Do they make it clear that God is with us? Does your life, shout out, God is not far away. He's right here with me. Hmm. And if our lives make it clear that God is with us, should we be so terribly surprised that people hate us? Maybe even persecute us? While you're thinking about that, consider Jesus' next statement. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. And that day, it was the Jewish religious leaders who were the worst. The ones who were supposed to be teaching the law that predicted they hated me without a cause. But we've seen the same kind of thing. What about those who believe in naturalism? That everything that is came about by natural processes from that which always existed. Matter is eternal. There is no supernatural. There is no God. This is a religious belief, and it is exactly the belief to which the Nazis held. It is why they did what they did. They believed that nature had brought man to the point where man was supposed to control the natural process. Can we be clear? If the Nazis were right about what they believed Then they were right in what they did. Why would it be wrong to kill those weaker than you if survival of the fittest is the totality of truth? Why would it be wrong to kill those who are inferior if there is no God? So the Nazis followed their belief to the extreme. (laughs) There's an amazing documentary called Nietzsche and the Nazis. Nietzsche was a philosopher by a man who apparently doesn't believe in God, by the way. But he nevertheless makes this truth very clear. This is what the Nazis did. They believed it. And what about those who believe in karma? You've heard of karma. I'm not talking about the karma that most people in America blather on about here. It's not the real thing. The real thing says that if you have a good life, you're rich, you're healthy, whatever, successful, you deserve it. Because you lived a good life Previously, some past life you have. If life is bad for you, you deserve it for the same kind of reason. In real karma, it is believed to be okay for one person to take the life force of another for their own benefit. The caste system is based entirely on this truth. You ever seen those double-sided drums that, that some of the Hindus they bang? They twist them, bang 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 bang. bang. They look like two turtle shells placed back to back with then a materials restored you run to make little drums and they have little balls on string and as they twist it back and forth they bang it. They bang that to gain the life force of another person. Actually two others. The children out of whose skulls they made the shells. They literally kill children and steal their life force. But it's okay. Those children were evil people in a past life. They're only getting what they deserve. That's literally the belief. <laughs> you can imagine that people who do this are not interested in a God who who is with us who says that's wrong. And if you know your Old Testament history really well, this may remind you of Baal or Baal worship where babies were killed by the tens of thousands. For the convenience of the adults? By the way, in our lifetimes, I don't think yeah everybody here is old enough. (laughs) We've seen the Islamics follow through on their belief system. Right? And remember, if their system is right of belief, then their behavior was right. We've even, sadly, seen those who claim Christianity but are really just using religion to further their own goals. We've seen them use and abuse people. All these, in reality, hate Jesus. Because of his words, because of his works, both of which expose their evil ways. And if we are his, and we live according to his commandments, they will hate us. Because of his words which we speak. Because of his works which we do. And all this hate really is without a cause. Without a cause in him or his love or in us showing his love. It's the same with those who really don't do any big sins. You know, they just want to live their lives like there's no God. I did it my way. Besides, I'm not that bad. But you do have an idea of perfection. And you know you have not and never will achieve it. They want to live like it's their life, but it's not their life. It's not your life. It never was. Because there is a God, a Creator God, and we are all His creatures. And it simply will not work to live as if He isn't there or is a long ways off. Because now God is with us I not like I have to give up much. Just everything. But they don't want to hear, sacrifice your life for others. So the problem is in them, in their sin. Their desire to live their life like they want. Which they don't want to give up. Everybody wants to be loved. They want the love that God can give, but they don't want to pay the price that is required to get that love. This is back to the ABCs. Most will admit they are a sinner. Nobody's perfect, right? Many even believe that Jesus can and will save them. And they want that. But they don't want to commit their lives to him as their Lord and Savior. They don't really want to be saved from their sins. (laughs) Have their sins taken away. They kind of like their sins and they want to live in them. Emotionally, they feel their need. Intellectually, they recognize their need. But volitionally, they are not willing to give their lives to the one who made them. The one who could fulfill all their needs and desires. They don't really want Jesus ruling in their lives and telling them that they really do have to stop the behavior that they know is wrong. They don't want it, even if it costs them love. And they sure don't want us telling them that they should submit to Jesus the Christ no matter how true it is. They don't want us telling them give up your life. The love is worth the cost. Even when their lives are completely off the tracks that always amazes me. Just, just I don't understand. I see people in the gutter and they just still don't want to give it up. They'd rather believe the lie and live the sin. But Jesus is talking to his disciples, not to the world. So why is he telling them this? Why did the Holy Spirit lead John to write it down for us? But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. I've said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. Jesus is telling them, I don't want you to get sucker punched. You know, when some guy just walking along, happy-go-lucky, and watching the boom! <laughs> he gets knocked clear into next week. Because they will have the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of truth in them. They will naturally do what He does. Do you remember before we talked about Jesus using the term bear fruit? Now he says bear witness. He, the Holy Spirit, will witness of Jesus to the disciples. They will witness of Jesus to the world. That's the way spiritual life works. And when they witness, not everybody's going to believe. And some will strike out at them. The apostles are gonna get punched, so be ready for it. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. The Jews love hyperbole, big, expansive ways of thinking. They're gonna kill you, they even exaggerate to make a point. This wasn't hyperbole. The disciples, as far as we know, every one of them will be killed because of their belief in Jesus. They will get punched. Now, usually, we we just have bad things said to and about us. When my oldest brother Doug died, it just happened to me. Doug was a was real well known in the Christian community down where he was. He wrote music for the various churches. He did a lot of arrangements and. When he died, six different pastors spoke over the time that all the family was there. And some variation, every one of them, some variation of admit, believe, commit. We had had Presbyterian pastors, we had a Roman Catholic guy, we had a Baptist guy, we had all of them, every last one of them. Then the family all gathers together. And Doug's widow Sandy pours out her heart. Doug would want me to talk specifically to those of you who don't believe you've got to commit your life to Christ. So, just a short while later, we all go out to dinner. And I end up in a car with just my two unsaved brothers. (laughs) Let's just say they unloaded on me. Both barrels. I got 45 minutes of, how can I say, vicious tongue-lashing. I mean, they couldn't do it around, around my, our parents or around Sandy. So I got punched. <laughs> really good. <laughs> Why? Because they know the sin in their lives. By the way, they know I know too. <clears throat> they don't like to be reminded of it especially not by six pastors in a row and then Sandy. (laughs) My just being there reminded them of it. And they didn't want to be reminded, even if they will die because of it. When the world says evil things about us, others in the world believe it. They believe it because they know what their souls are like. And they can't accept that we are chosen by God we're just as bad off as they are in many ways. But we're chosen by God and we're being changed by Him. Because if they accept that, they have to admit that they're not okay. That what they're doing is sin. It's wrong. So they punch believers. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father. Nor me. It's all about relationship. They don't have one with Jesus or the Father. Sadly, they don't want one with Jesus or the Father or us. And Jesus needs to drive home the point of this discussion. Remember, these are all believers. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. Jesus has been with them and they've been protected by him that that will change this very night for his disciples and he wants them to be ready and we need to be ready we've often said around here that if a person's christianity doesn't change their life they're probably not really christian has your life been changed since that people will sometimes want to punch you <laughs> Are you willing to risk being hated if that's what it takes to follow Jesus? Are you willing to risk persecution if that's what it takes to follow Jesus? To commit your life to Him as your Lord. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Jim Elliot gave his life which he knew he could not keep to gain eternal life which he knew he could not lose. Are you aware that as you grow in your faith, the world's hatred of you will grow? <laughs> and maybe the persecution as well. Be ready for that. But also be aware that love will grow as well. <laughs> and that's where this all started. Because Jesus loved his disciples He warned them ahead of time about the hatred the world would spew out on them. He warned them that they need to love one another because they're going to get punched. We don't just need to be Christ to the world. We need to love as Jesus to our brothers and sisters in Christ. I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. The world is not going to love us. In fact, quite the opposite. But the living, active love of Jesus is worth it all. It was worth it for Jesus to suffer on the cross. It will be well worth it for us to suffer in this life for the great joy that we will have in our eternal life. And even gives us joy in this life. So is it all kind of coming together here? This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that someone lay down his life for his friends. If you love Jesus and live according to his commandments, if you bear witness of him, you're going to get hated. But the love of Jesus and the living, active love of your Christian sisters and brothers, it's greater. And it'll outlast and overwhelm all the evil that ever was. So, you're going to be a member of the Whig Party? (laughs) You're going to stand up for what is right for Jesus Christ.